This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Letterboxd. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. I'm just in here thinking of companies right now. I, was, so I, was I, 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 I damn near missed was. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. You have a million dollars. You have to. Sp- oh, this is actually another really good one. Okay. Uh, you have a million dollars. You have to spend it within 24 hours only on physical things. So you can't be like, oh, I'm going to pay off like any debt or okay. whatever. Um, like it's a Brewster's Millions thing. So like you have to pay. You have to. You have to spend exactly one million dollars in 24 hours, or you lose everything. Including oh. your life, Jesus. Um, yeah. So, what do you buy? It's <laughs> oh, the my question. God, wow. I know. It's it's really fun on the Patreon page to do these. Yeah. Things. Like thought it. So you can't go over a million. Um, I there's wiggle room. Yeah, because okay. yeah, you can go over a million. You just you have to spend minimum one million dollars. Okay. But you have to have like it's it's not like oh I'm gonna just I'm gonna buy a Harrier jet and that's yeah. how you spend it. It's like you only have a million dollars. Anything over you have to pay out of pocket. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, Again, I don't have an answer for that. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you listen to the Patreon uh, feed, like me and Kirsten have been doing like those types of recordings. Yeah. And it's pretty fun. Uh, it's, it's pretty fun. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Well, uh, welcome to the Obsessive Viewer. <laughs> uh, okay. Hello and welcome to the Obsessive Viewer. We're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com, more of our podcasts at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. And you can like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. And finally, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, where if you pledge the minimum rate of $1 per month, you will get access to an exclusive RSS feed with content that's recorded specifically for Patreon supporters. Um, I'm Matt Hurt, and with me today, as usual, is Tiny. Hi, Tiny. Hey, buddy. How's it going? It's going bueno. Good. Um, word to your mother. I don't know why I just said that. Um, no, uh, just word of worry. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, uh, just in case the mic is picking it up, there is a leak in my apartment that I have notified my maintenance people for my apartment complex three times about. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna come home tomorrow from work and just be flooded with just water. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, that's why the sound could be potentially weird. So today, Tiny, mm-hmm. uh, we are talking about Chernobyl. We are. Yeah. Um, the very well received, very, um, highly, uh, acclaimed is the word I was looking for, <laughs> uh, miniseries that w- just ended its five-episode run on HBO here like a week or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I was really excited about this because I saw the trailer around the time that Game of Thrones was about to premiere, 
and it just looked really good. Like, I remember, like, messaging you and be like, hey, we should, uh, I, I either messaged you or I thought about messaging you. <laughs> just be like, we should totally review this on the podcast because it looks really good. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so that is really, yeah, that's the main topic for the, this episode. That's what we're going to do. Um, we'll do non-spoilers and spoilers. Okay. Um, but plot summary, according to IMDb, unless we have any new business to attend to or anything, anything, anything on your mind, Tiny? Um, no, no. Good, good. We'll get good. to that in, uh, Popery. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I meant to mention in Patreon because I, I don't know if I was going to bring it up on Potpourri, but, uh, X-Files. Anyway. Nice. Um, but yeah. Anyway, uh, plot summary according to IMDb for Chernobyl is in April 1986, an explosion at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant and the Union of Soviet Socialist Re- uh, Republics becomes one of the world's worst man-made catastrophes. So tiny. Uh, we're just going to dive right into our non-spoiler review. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you feel going in? Well, okay, let, let's start this way. I think this would be fun. Um, <laughs> before you saw this miniseries, uh, which, by the way, was directed... I think all the episodes were directed by Johan Renk. Johan Renk, yeah. Johan Renk. And uh, writer is Craig Mazin. Um, who, okay, so, uh, if I may, if you, if you wouldn't mind indulging me for just a moment. Please. There's been a lot of, like, stuff about Craig Mazin online. Really? Like, well, not, not, ne- I, I need to reframe that. So, there was a, there was a, a picture of a bunch of his writing credits and their Rotten Tomato score, and then the Rotten Tomato score for Chernobyl, which is like 96. Right. Um, and it's like, just, this is, this is, uh, proving that you, that, you know, if you keep working hard or whatever, you'll, you'll get there. Cause like his other writing credits are like the hangover part two, identity thief, the huntman, the huntsman winter's war, scary movie four, scary movie four, <laughs> superhero movie. Uh, yeah. Um, just not really good stuff, but from what I understand, and I've just kind of done a cursory kind of research and everything like he is, he's the co-host of a a screenwriting podcast called script notes, um, Mm. which is really, really good from what I've heard. Um, I've heard a few episodes of it at this point, but like he's, he's a well regarded, like writer in, in Hollywood. Like he is, he was brought on to work on, I think the Dr. Strange script and like he's, he's done like he's, he's a sought after like script doctor and everything. So I don't know, just to kind of, to kind of, put him in a box as like, Oh, this guy did like, did these things. Cause these are his credits. Doesn't necessarily mean that he's, it's not like a night and day thing from like, Oh, crappy stuff to Chernobyl. Like he knows his shit. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's a little reductive to be like, Oh, he did scary movie for, eh. um, but Chernobyl, I, I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, that's my soapbox for the week. <laughs> um, so tiny, uh, before we get into our actual non-spoiler review and stuff, um, you are much more knowledgeable about history and historical events than I am. I am? Uh, yes. Were you saying... <laughs> did you say I that? was asking. I was like, oh, I am, okay. really? I, I wondered. And, uh, yeah, you are. Um, okay. Thank you, you. Yeah, you know a lot more than I do. At least that's uh, what I've always thought. Um, so before watching this miniseries and, and going into it, like, how much did you know about the Chernobyl disaster? Man, I really didn't, I, I didn't know, uh, a ton really. I just, I knew there was an exclusion zone and, mm-hmm. um, I knew there was like a nearby city and, uh, I knew that 
you know, it was an accident, but mm-hmm. I, I, I never like looked into the why I, I never, mm-hmm. or like how, like, I just thought I like, Oh, somebody just kind of, you know, the equivalent of like falling asleep at the wheel. Right. I figured that's what it was, but I, I realized that I never actually ever looked it up. Mm-hmm. Like what actually happened. Interesting. Um, and I think a lot of people maybe never did as well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's, it, that, that was some of the most compelling parts of the series. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I didn't know a lot about it. And like, there's, there's so much, some of what I did know is there's a lot of interesting science in the, in the exclusion zone. Yeah. Um, like the way wildlife has, uh, matured mm-hmm. and, and evolved and adapted, uh, even like the fauna, um, or flora. Fauna is animals. Sure. Flora is plants. That sounds right. I, the plants. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> English. The killers in the hot, in the happening. <laughs> 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 Spoiler <The> villains, <laughs> villainous plants. Um, but like the plants, like there's like leaves on the ground from like 1989 because they're so warped oh, wow. by radiation that that they won't degrade properly. And God, like, that's nuts. Yeah, like I remember just reading stuff like that. I'm like, that is insane. How yeah, that's, that's crazy. Um, so yeah, I, that, I knew a lot of general information, but I didn't know specifics. Okay, um, and so that's why I was so interested in this. Yeah, I'm. I was kind of the same way, but a little more ignorant because I just knew Chernobyl as just a a topic, like I, I as like um, a buzzword in in certain respects, right. like. Oh, like, oh, like, this is the next Chernobyl, or, like, I just knew, like, oh, something happened, uh, there was a nuclear, like, met- meltdown. Like, that's all I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare. Yeah. <laughs> um, that was admittedly, like, the only thing I knew about it. That, and then also that terrible fucking Chernobyl Diaries movie. God, that movie sucked. It's so terrible. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know, like, like you, I didn't know the specifics, I didn't know the why, I didn't know the ins and outs of it and everything. So when I watched the miniseries, um, I was very surprised with a lot of the stuff in it. Yeah. Um, very surprising, um, information, but, uh, and to postpone the non-spoiler review even more, just real quick, what did you think of the fact that they have like a, um, we talked about this a little bit earlier today, but like, how'd you feel about like them having a podcast <laughs> with the writer and like throughout the whole experience and the fact that the podcast is available on like HBO go and HBO now. That was, really cool mm-hmm. i wish so many more shows would do that yeah like have official podcasts um mm. i don't think like uh production companies or distributors understand like how cost effective that is right because it's like you can you can do a podcast on a fucking iphone i mean oh, yeah. it, there's, you don't you don't need a crap ton of productive value right. uh production value mm-hmm. um and you don't have to go overboard. Just like just talk about it for an hour. It's like right. it can just be two people talking. It's not a big deal. Yeah. And that's all the Chernobyl podcast was. It was two dudes mm-hmm. every week talking about one episode, and it was forty to fifty minutes every time. Yeah. And it was so interesting mm-hmm. and 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 fascinating. And like, there's they talk about the actual event itself. They talk about mm-hmm. the show. They talk about um, what it was like to shoot some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like you're getting history and you're getting yeah. uh, creative background on mm-hmm. making the actual show and it's like it's such an amazing supplement yeah. to the miniseries there's so like um, and it, it, i love the fact that it's in an in an official capacity yes um and it's it's it was it's so much better than like these 
uh, I don't know what you call it. Tread them. lightly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so much better than these like these TV shows like Talking Dead. Oh yeah, or that are just celebrating it. Like yeah, just, it's and, cheerleading it. Yeah, and it's not. They're so. Um, yeah, it's just celebratory, and it's mm-hmm. not. I don't feel like we get a lot. I feel like I, I stopped watching it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I stopped watching The Walking Dead. Right. But um, it, it just it's not. It's not interesting. Um, like they even I don't tried know what that, it is about them. Yeah, not to not necessarily to shit on Talking Dead and talking everything, um, but like I remember, like in the final season of Breaking Bad, they did that. Like Chris Hardwick did, like talking Talking Bad. Okay, and like for like I think like the series finale or the the premiere of the final season or part B of season five or whatever you want to call it. Um, but in that, like that really was the the breaking point for me where i was just like yeah this isn't for me like this talk show thing isn't the same as like discussion of it and anything and especially breaking bad is a show that not requires but uh is something that is necessitates like deep discussions and everything right analysis yeah so like i would not want to see like a talking (laughs) uh talking chernobyl thing yeah because yeah it's just it's it's fluff. It's fluff. Right. Well, and it, I, it reminded me of um, the post-episode shows of mm. Game of Thrones, where oh, yeah. stay tuned for after the episode for whatever. Right. And those were actually pretty good, like yeah. uh, D.B. Weiss and David Benioff talking about what happened in the show, and I actually mm-hmm. enjoyed those. Um, yeah. And I, I, I hope HBO runs with this, because mm-hmm. there's so much good shit they do. I think they... Did they do that with Chernobyl also? I think they do that with like all their shows, don't they? Yeah, they do. But like, I mean, the podcast. Like, oh God! I oh, hope, you were talking hope, about the podcast. Yeah, gotcha. I hope okay. they continue to do that. With, yeah, me too. Because uh, I mean, I think I think it's probably a unique situation because I didn't realize that Craig Mason, Mason had his own podcast. Oh yeah. I assume. I wonder if he like approached them and was like, "Hey, let me do this." He did, well, if you like in the uh, the last episode of the podcast, he mentioned like he thanks. Um, uh, Sagal, the co-host. I can't remember his name. Peter, yeah, Peter. He, Peter Sagal, I think. Yeah. Uh, he's like, yeah, and I just want to thank. You. Like he says, like I want to thank you because I kind of roped you into this and everything, and you said okay. yes to, and everything. So like, I think that that was totally his his thing. And what's also amazing is that he, um, like John August is his co-host on Script Notes, and like he, um, John August on his website is hosting. Um, like PDFs of every script from, from Chernobyl. Wow. Like every episode script. Like, and like Craig Mazin tweeted about it and was like, Hey, you know, you can check out the scripts here and everything. It's just like, I love that level of transparency between creator and, and creation or creator and and audience, I guess. Gotcha. Yeah. I I thought it was a great idea. Yeah. Like I said, I hope not just HBO, but tons of shows totally do that. It's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. I'm already emailing with Hulu and <laughs> other streaming services to make our, make us the official podcast of something. Nice. Uh, no, I'm well, not. there's a lot of unofficial stuff out there for a lot there of is, shows yeah. and T and, and movies and stuff. And check out anthologypod.com, tarajunkiespod.com. Right. I'm not saying that stuff's bad. I'm just <laughs> right. saying it's cool that, in official capacity. In an official capacity. Yeah. That's, that's what was actually oh, yeah. cool about it. Yeah. And I think that that's what makes it so interesting is that, especially with Chernobyl, because Chernobyl was one of those cultural, um, uh, cultural, like, not, uh, cultural touch points for, like, the conversation surrounding, like, media 
for the five weeks it was airing. Like everyone on social media was talking about Chernobyl. Right. And I just love that everyone, in addition to having that, like having that conversation just on social media, has this podcast to inform them and and like uh, to inform them and also kind of make the kind of uh, cultural conversation a lot more informed. Yeah. Um, and another thing I really liked about the podcast was that he. Uh, pointed out like where he took like artistic license and like why he took artistic license here and there and everything. Yeah. Uh, just it's just it's so great. I really hope that they do it too. Yeah. Even if it puts us out of business. Um, <laughs> so yeah. So let's go into our thoughts on Chernobyl the miniseries. Yep. So we're gonna go ahead and do non-spoiler and then spoiler review. So yeah, we're going to talk about non-spoilers, kind of in broad terms. How did you feel about this documentary or this miniseries? I keep wanting to say documentary. I know. It has that feel yeah. to it. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I 100% absolutely adored this mm-hmm. on so many levels. Um, to put a point on it, I think I don't think Band of Brothers will ever be dethroned as the greatest miniseries I've ever seen. Right. And I think objectively probably the best miniseries ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's still at the top. John Adams was always oh, yeah. a close second. Um, but I, I think for me, Chernobyl has dethroned John Adams as oh, the second best miniseries I've ever seen. Nice. I was just completely blown away. Mm-hmm. I was so eager to watch this. My wife would not watch it uh, oh, really? because she, she doesn't like to watch things that are, she's not into horror or like mm-hmm. extreme drama because she, it just bums her out. Upsetting. Yeah. It just bums her out. And like, mm-hmm. I totally get that, but I, I appreciate that personally. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm into those kind of stories. Right. And so I was so eager to watch it that. I went and watched it on my phone <laughs> in my bed <laughs> wow. on a on a Monday night. Um, so I and, and like the next day, um, I would usually watch it on Tuesday because it aired on mm-hmm. Mondays. So I'd watch it on Tuesday, and then that on Wednesdays I usually go to the same location for work. Okay, and it's about an hour away. And so I would down made sure I download the podcast and I would listen nice. to it on the way to work Wednesday. So I had this like little routine with it. That's so awesome. Um, yeah, but I I was just so into it and like. Mm-hmm. I really had to um, stop myself from researching it. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, I don't want to spoil the show, right. you know, spoil the show, quote unquote, mm-hmm. um, by figuring out what actually happened or, you know, because the way that the show is structured is just so absolutely brilliant. The storytelling is incredible. It turns like, it, it turns it into this, that he focuses on this mystery of mm-hmm. how this happened and, and, and like just, there's this huge cast of characters, literally. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the you you could have told the story linearly or like in so many different ways, mm. and I think Craig Mazin found like the perfect equation he, to tell the story. Like, and it's so it's pretty unconventional, right? And and I think that is what puts this above a lot of other like historical mm-hmm. miniseries or historical films uh, depictions of, of of real events. Is that this was. The structure is the key to this series, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's just, it's so, it's so, I don't want to say rich, but well, rich in detail and everything with like, yeah. with those cast of characters that they have, like they, they're, they're so well de- defined in their arcs and everything. And like the way that, and granted, like we know more about it because of the podcast and everything, but like he, like takes artistic license where it's needed. Like he, he puts, he, uh, makes, uh, characters an amalgam of different, like real world people to, to get the point across. And it's, it's such an interesting way to kind of compartmentalize this, 
this story, this like the the story of the actions and inactions of of people, and that led to this, and has like led to disaster. Um, but compartmentalizing that into such a way that is so easily consumable to to mass audiences and not as heavy on like like trying to understand like like and keep track of everything mm-hmm. and like there are moments in this miniseries that were just utterly heartbreaking and just and we'll talk about that in spoilers but heartbreaking and just i like um uh so I, I have a, a coworker of mine was watching and he's like, he's really into uh, movies and TV. So we always talk about that kind of stuff. And like, he, he kept asking me like, Oh, you, you caught up on Chernobyl. And I'm like, nah, I'm like two episodes behind. Like <laughs> I got, I fell behind. And I think a big part of that is a anthology. Um, mm. but B, um, that first episode was it, like the imagery in that episode, like some of the things in that episode will stick with me for a long time. Like mm-hmm. there's a scene where the guy, um, like opens a door, like there as like chaos is, is happening is raining. Um, he opens a door or he holds a door open for, for, uh, some of the other guys to get through. And then like, as soon as he like lets go of the door, like you see just blood, just like drenching the, his hip and it's just like that, that visual effect is just so haunting. Like the depiction of like radiation sickness and, and, uh, like what it does to human bodies is just, uh, just really, really disturbing. It's a and literal nightmare. It absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, so I totally get why Paige would not want to watch yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just so, uh, it's, I don't, like I said, I don't want to say that it's gripping, but it's like, it's so, captivating and and horrifying in yeah. so many parts yeah. um but yeah i i loved it and jared harris uh to point out like like the there's a really great cast here and there's there's really great supporting supporting characters supporting actors and everything but jared harris is like on another level yeah he's, he's fantastic stellan scarsyard is amazing as well um also emily watson is fantastic yes uh everyone across the board is just at their at bringing their a game yeah so yeah um so about the kind of nonlinear structure did you have any trouble like tracking what was going on like the time frames and stuff because like the I mean, it's pretty it, i mean it's it's pretty linear really like we get the disaster and then we get like like each episode is like taking place kind of farther away from it in terms of time right and then the last episode kind of circles back and shows like what caused it, which I thought was very inventive and interesting. Right. Um, it's, so yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's very, I didn't have any trouble tracking like where we were in the timeline or anything okay. like that. Um, because they drop a lot of context clues right. and, and all that stuff or just blatantly say how long it's been. But, um, um, it, it was remarkably fluid mm-hmm. given that, given the somewhat complexity of, the storytelling techniques. Um, right. I was really surprised when, when literally the opening, the opening part of the crisis was the reactor is already blown. Oh yeah. And it's like, we start that like, whoa, we didn't, I figured it was going to be one of those things where it's like, you know, some guy just walking along on a catwalk. It's like, dude, right. do, you know, and then like, Oh, he's, here's a rumbling. And he, mm-hmm. I thought we were going to get like a calm before the storm kind of thing. Yeah. And it, they completely skip over that. I was like, huh, that's interesting. Why'd they do that? That's weird. Right. And you start to find out, you're like, oh, cause it's like a big mystery as to mm-hmm. why, or it's like a, you know, a big deal as to why yeah. this thing blew. Cause I was still operating under the assumption that like 
somebody fell asleep at the wheel. Just human errors. Human error. Right. Yeah. Something like that. Soviet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Soviets right. being Soviet. Soviets gonna Soviet. <laughs> um, that's what I was thinking. Um, and, and also, yeah, like, uh, man, it's, it's hard to talk about without spoiling it, but, um, mm-hmm. just some of the character evolution, the way that it was handled also yeah. in nonlinear ways mm-hmm. was, uh, was very clever. Um, but like, like I said, it was, it's so well written, mm-hmm. like some, some of the best writing I've ever seen any, yeah. on, in anything, mm-hmm. um, that I don't think it's hard to track even for like a, a, a lay person, a, a lay, right. a lay TV watcher. Yeah. Someone who's just kind of watching in the background. Right. Yeah. Right. I, th- I think it's just, like I said, structure is, mm-hmm. this is one of the best structured scripts and stories I've ever, I think I've ever seen. Totally. Yeah. And the, the kind of thesis statement i guess uh, the kind of the truth behind lies and like what lies can do and everything is just such a such an interesting way to bring us into bring us into this story and it's like the thing that kind of hooked me was um i i don't remember how to pronounce his name but uh datlove 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 yeah um like in that first episode where he's like, he's just saying, like, no, you're incorrect. It didn't blow. It didn't explode. Like, it didn't happen. Like, there was such a strong, just denial from him. Like, it, it's just, it's so infuriating and maddening. Yeah. Um, and just, and it's such fascinating characterization as well. Right. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the metaphor of, of lies and truth that mm-hmm. Craig Mazin whipped up for this yeah. is just, so perfectly poignant mm-hmm. the 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 metaphor of and it's it's brought up in the last episode this isn't a spoiler but right. uh the main character has this metaphor of uh every time you lie you incur a debt to the truth that is and i love that and eventually beautiful. that debt has to be paid yeah i was like holy shit how do you like that's some shakespeare type <laughs> shit right there that's like really clever yeah. and i was like that is a perfect way to put this because oh absolutely and and, and, and it's funny because it's a it's a microcosm of the Soviet Union itself because mm-hmm. it, it was just literally decades of denial and, and, and putting band-aids on real issues. And eventually it all came to a head in 1991 mm-hmm. and it was like, this is not sustainable anymore. And it's like, we right. can't, we all, we can't turn a blind eye. We can't lie to ourselves anymore. And the mm-hmm. Soviet Union collapsed, which I don't, I don't really know many details on that either. Right. Um, but uh, that'd be something interesting to research, but it's, mm-hmm. it's just a, and I, I don't think the show even came out and said that, but it's, again, it's, it's that the Chernobyl's kind of a microcosm of why the Soviet Union could not su- succeed and why that brand of communism doesn't work or, yeah. you know, why communism has never worked. Um, and it's, it was a really, just cause, you know, there's so many, so many fictitious stories or even real stories out there about, the flaws of the Soviet system. And mm-hmm. it, there's some really great ones out there, some really good ones. But I, I think this, this is the the perfect microcosm, the perfect story about how that system and that way of life is not sustainable and it doesn't work. Right. And, and it just, it was woven so beautifully in, in this, in this show. Um, the, the dialogue and the writing just, just next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And on that subject about, the Soviet Union and everything. Um, just real uh, trivia. As a result of the series depiction of the accident, the Russian government has announced it will do a version of its own with the true facts that the power plant exploded due to a bomb put by CIA agents. Right. I've, I've, I've read that online. Yeah. yeah. So 
Yeah. That'd be funny. Um, so yeah, anyway, uh, great miniseries. We can go into spoilers now sure. and talk more in depth. Sure. Uh, so spoilers on for Chernobyl. If you haven't seen it, please go watch it on HBO. Um, really great miniseries and, uh, come back and listen to our spoiler review. So spoilers on. Here's a clip from the trailer, of course. Chernobyl is on fire. And every atom of uranium is like a bullet, penetrating everything in its path. Metal, concrete, flesh. Now Chernobyl holds over three trillion of these bullets. Some of them will not stop firing for 50,000 years. Tell me how to put it out. You are dealing with something that has never occurred on this planet before. Um, spoilers on for Chernobyl, uh, which in my head every time I think of Chernobyl, I and I, I meant to check to see if this is the right wording, but um, in my head I wanted I wanted to call it Chernobyl uh, from the <laughs> um, from the energy drink in Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh yeah, yeah. Nice. I think that that's what it was called. I think you're right. Yeah, but anyway. Um, uh yeah, so that's me making light of something where thousands of people died. Yeah, uh, or thirty one. Um, <laughs> that blew my fucking mind. I just, yeah, it, it, still like, that's still the official yeah. number. Oh yeah, yeah. Just that's it's so insane. Yeah. Um. So there's a lot of just really haunting imagery. Like episode four, in particular, for me was like just emotionally like uh, emotionally just devastating mm-hmm. that episode had the um uh people shoveling the graphite off the roof in yeah. 90 second increments right um it had the whole subplot with the conscripted guy shooting the dogs um and just like when he saw the puppies god damn it yeah. i was just like that was that was rough yeah um and then also the whole the thing with the, the with the firefighter's wife like that let's talk about all those right go ahead (laughs) (laughs) well i think what's um this is an emotionally wrecking Mm. uh series and it has to be because the event that's how the event was right um just tens of thousands of lives destroyed Mm -hmm. and i think what's in retrospect i don't want to use the word funny and not haha funny Mm. but What's funny is there are moments throughout the series where they kind of go into like slow motion and they kind of slow things down. Like, mm-hmm. uh, for example, when many of the townspeople gather on the bridge in the first episode yeah. to watch, kind of watch the fire, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, and they're like a mile away mm-hmm. or something like that. Every single one of them died. Yeah, that's God. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's a moment where you see them all standing on the bridge and it goes into slow motion and the ash starts falling on them, which mm. is highly irradiated and right. literally killed them. They're the, the metaphor, uh, one of the brilliant scientific metaphors that was used was that their, uh, uh, radioactive material releases invisible bullets. That was, that was so, I've never heard vivid. it described that way. Like that, and that's perfect. That metaphor was fantastic. Yeah. Um, um and so the, this, these pieces of ash all contain thousands or millions of bullets and mm-hmm. they're just, Invisibly firing into all these people as yeah. they as they're embracing and 
cradling their children yeah. and the kids are dancing around and, and having fun and playing in this ash like it's snow. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a little wink at the audience because we right. all know exactly what's happening. Yeah. But these people are none the wiser. And it's mm-hmm. there's another scene where um uh, what was his name? The uh, the firefighter's wife, Ignatenko. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets sent to a hospital in Moscow. Yeah, she very passionately seeks him out, goes mm-hmm. there and visits him, and they finally are reunited. And they're sitting there embracing each other. Yeah, and he's basically a walking uranium rod, mm-hmm. and she's pregnant. And they slow it down as they embrace each other. And normally, it's again, it's a little like wink or like a little little point of the finger, like right. This is supposed to be a beautiful moment, but yeah. she's basically killing herself right now, right. and it's just like unbeknownst to herself, she's. And it's so surpri- well tragic and surprising <laughs> that she survived, right? Like when at a cost, yeah. When it's revealed yeah. that like the the whole the thing with the baby that was like like I had to sit down and just sit with that for a while, yeah. Like that was so. Just like the the idea of the all the radiation that was in her body going to the baby, mm-hmm. and you know the baby dying within four hours right. of living, and the mother surviving like that's just so strangely tragically poetic in a way, uh-huh. but it's just horrific and and horrible, yeah. horrifying. Right, um, and and what I appreciated yeah. about that technique is that there were. Again, th- thousands and thousands of cases mm-hmm. in the real world where people had that experience. They yeah. they were exposed to this invisible death um, that, and and they just they just didn't know. Yeah, they just didn't know it was there. There's no way to, it doesn't have a smell. It doesn't have a feel. Mm-hmm. There's no way to detect it without scientific uh, machines, basically. Yeah. Um, and and these people were just none the wiser, just just taking it in for, mm. and it wasn't like you know. For an hour, it was literally right. months, yeah, even years before they got that stuff capped off, and there wasn't radiation just flying mm-hmm. through the air. And I mean, that's why those scenes were so poignant. I think, yeah, in um, the just the insanity of a government body just hiding it, like like right. downplaying it so severely when they're confronted with like you know scientists telling them like, no, this is this is. This is a really horrifying thing that yeah. if we don't do this thing, it could destroy the entire continent. Um, it's just, it's just so the d- way that it depicts the kind of bureaucratic kind of. Oh, well, I don't uh, uh, the. That's what I'm looking for. There's a word that I'm looking for. It's it's escaping me. But like the um, the government like cover up, I guess, or the down downplaying it is what I said earlier. The brainwashing kind yeah, of. Yeah, just yeah. is so shocking to me absolutely um yeah um i also one thing i i was completely unaware of was just how large of a crisis was averted yeah i didn't realize that it could have literally like the exclusion zone is like i don't know what is it like two thousand square miles or something like that as it as it presently sits but Mm -hmm. it could have been like the entirety of the ukraine and like I'm not my geography in that part of the world isn't very good. Yeah. But like, it could have gone all the way into like Poland, which is right. a, it could have been like 
it could have been like almost a million miles and like just literally half of Europe would be uninhabitable and like mm-hmm. you would have tens of millions, hundreds of millions of refugees who would have to leave and like you couldn't drink the water. Yeah. I mean, it's just like I had no idea that it was that much of a risk mm-hmm. I, and they successfully averted that and it's I didn't realize how much it's weird to say I didn't realize how much of a success it was right that Europe is still inhabitable <laughs> 30 yeah. years later you yeah. know I, I I just I had no idea totally and uh, to answer your question um it is it's 2600 kilometers square kilometers okay. which equals about a thousand, thousand square miles. miles yeah okay um yeah just so going back to episode 4 also the Stuff with the dogs and everything that was that was rough. Um, so, that was the hard, emotionally that was the hardest for me. Yeah, just the disconnect and uh, like the way that you have to be disconnected from it from that, and the way that they depicted that was really great. But also yeah. the probably probably the most gripping or weirdly intense but intensely unnerving is the word I'm looking for. Uh, the roof clearing stuff. Yeah. That was just like when when you see the guy with the like the the boot the the um, gets stuck and everything. Right. Just like it's it's so just tragic and sad. Right. Um yeah. And it's it's that was so I, that actually happened. Like those right. people actually did that. I'm not so I'm sitting here saying I'm I'm want to say that scene was so well conducted <laughs> or so well shot and you know it mm-hmm. and it was but it's like it's just it's strange to keep that context as you try to analyze the yeah. show that like there were like thirty five hundred people who actually did that right. and like they most of them probably died and totally prematurely but um yeah. it's 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 I, I appreciated it because it's it established the idea that uh your exposure to radiation is like it's like a finite it's kind of like a finite number mm-hmm. it's almost like a pitcher like you have a pitcher and you can fill up your exposure to radiation so it's like and you have that pitcher for your entire life mm-hmm. um that's maybe not the best metaphor but you know if you're and it's all about how intense the radiation is what mm-hmm. kind of radi- radiation it is how long you're exposed to it and it's it's funny that like i'm not sure that anyone that not everyone realizes that those guys being exposed to that radiation for 90 seconds, they cannot have any more exposure to radiation right. throughout their entire life. Yeah. Or they will absolutely 100% die. Yep. And it's just interesting to think of that because we see like Lagasov and Sherbina who are in a dangerous proximity to this right. reactor for months mm-hmm. and they eventually succumb. They have a sick, well, I mean, Lagasov's different, right, but right. he would have died, yeah, in an untimely way from his exposure to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because it's just, it's just the context is just really interesting, yeah, that they're there for months on end, but then these other guys are there for ninety seconds, and they have the same risk, same level yeah. of risk. It's just it's an interesting, or it's 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 a I, again, it's weird to say, but it's a clever way to depict it in a show, right? How that the variance in exposure and the level of radiation and all, there's all these different, the amount of radiation that a person can withstand is an equation that you have to work out. Yeah. And it's, it, uh, yeah, it's hard to work it out. Yeah. Like it's, it, you really can't. And it's coming just down to, these are people's lives. It's, it's just insane. Right. 
Um, Absolutely. Yeah, just in crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah. What else? Um, <laughs> um, the big scene at like the the kind of finale, like the finale. How did you feel about the way that it circled back and and showed everything? That like I like I said, that was brilliant because mm-hmm. I think we get this. We get this. Um, it's it's super complicated. I mean, there's like this is some of the most complex science that humankind has ever worked out. Mm-hmm. And so trying to describe it to an audience, I'm, I still don't really know how a nuclear reactor works. Right. I still don't really get it. I mean, yeah. sort of, but not mm-hmm. really. And so it's explained a couple times in the show. And, and to see it, the, the visual, I think, of the, the red and blue plaques in that courtroom scene was really clever. Yeah. And I think that was one of the most clear depictions that I, that we got. But, um, I think why that, why the scene of showing us the calm before the storm, like I said earlier, or like Mm -hmm. the lead up to the accident, why I think that was so important is to demonstrate the levels of responsibility. Yeah. Because Dyatlov and, and Brokhanov and Fomin, they're all, I would use the word pretty much evil yeah. in, in what oh, they yeah. chose to do and ignore. Um, and they were strictly driven by their ambition and just mm-hmm. awful human beings. Yeah. But Craig Mazin said in the podcast, and it may have been in the show, I can't remember, that all three of them were operating under the assumption that you press this button and it will shut everything down. Right. So it's like we can kind of be reckless mm. up to a certain point because we have this fix all button mm. and that's where the flaw was in this system. Yeah. And so it's those three guys are, like I said, they should, and I think, uh, Legasov said it in his, uh, his audio recordings, mm-hmm. uh, whatever they're called, uh, his memoirs, if you will. Yeah. Um, 1980s podcast. There you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I guess nineties. Um, well, no, no, no. It was eighties. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, he said they all deserve the bullet. They deserve mm-hmm. death, and I agree with that. If if you're if you're a fan of uh, capital punishment, right? Um, or podcasts, or podcasts, <laughs> nice. Um, but the greater the greater crime is the cover up, mm-hmm. and that's what I think that scene is so important in expressing. Yeah, is that the people who the scientist years ago who was designing the RBMK reactor mm-hmm. and found that flaw and reported it to the mm-hmm. correct authorities and those authorities kept it a secret whoever those people were uh, i don't know if it was stalin or mm. who ultimately made the decision i don't know uh they are even more evil and more responsible than diatlov absolutely or, and those are the those are our villains diatlov yeah. and fomin mm-hmm. and and Burkhanov are the they're they're basically the villains or the bad guys right um and it's funny cuz they're compared to what the people who perpetrated that cover up, they're not that bad. Right. You know, yep. they're just kind of dicks. You, right. Right. But yeah, um, it's, just, it's just crazy. The level of, it, yeah, the level of denial and, mm-hmm. um, just, uh, not just denial and just trying to hubris. Es- yeah. Hubris. Yeah. Hubris. Really. Yeah. I trying mean, to escape culpability and right. something, um, is just avoid embarrassment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When it's something that's this massive, uh, it's just, it's so compelling and fascinating and horrifying. Right. Um, right. And that's yeah. when, that's when Legasov has that 
that big speech that was my favorite, my mm-hmm. favorite writing or my favorite dialogue where he says that uh, every lie incurs a debt to the truth and yeah. eventually that debt has to be paid. And that debt was paid by the paying of that debt was an explosion of a nuclear reactor. Right. And that was, he says, what, so what causes an RVMK reactor to explode, which is asked a handful of times throughout mm-hmm. the series, he finally says lies. And I was right. like, holy shit, that is just an unbelievably good metaphor. Yeah. And I wonder, so good. I wonder if Craig Mazin came up with that. I wonder if anyone's ever, if that, I, I recently purchased the book Voices from Chernobyl, mm-hmm. which a lot of, which is what Craig Mazin used for a lot of this, yeah. uh, this series. Um, I'm wondering if maybe, uh, the author of that coined that phrase or that, that metaphor, came up with that metaphor. Mm-hmm. I, 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 if Craig Mazin came up with it, that's seriously some of the best writing I've, oh, absolutely. That was just, just an incredibly good metaphor. And yeah. Just, beautiful dialogue scene mm-hmm. unfortunately it never happened right but that was creative license that i think was important because you know totally. the actual reveal of this flaw took place over time mm-hmm. and you know it was kind of revealed throughout the scientific community yeah <clears throat> it was kind of revealed throughout the scientific community through his audio tapes mm-hmm. that he released and you know it was it was contingent upon him committing suicide mm-hmm. everyone that was a i think an important point that i don't know it was in the show but craig mazin made it in the podcast that you know there were these audio tapes circulating of what really happened mm-hmm. uh that lagasov recorded before he died and he said that if he had not committed suicide it would not have been taken anywhere near as seriously that, yeah that and was so He's, I mean, he's truly the hero. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there are literally thousands of heroes. Absolutely. For this crisis. But I think, I think he's, he, he's, I don't want to say he's the best hero or anything, but I'm saying right. that's, that's one of the more incredible things from this story is what he did. Totally. He, you know, him killing himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And there was another fun, a really not fun. <laughs> that's a terrible word to say. But, um, thinking of a thought exercise, I think, mm-hmm. I think it was in the first podcast episode, maybe the second. Craig Mazin said he thought about if this disaster had happened in the United States. Oh, yeah. He said, you know, he said it's almost like a blessing that it happened in the Soviet Union if it was mm-hmm. going to happen because the Soviets considered their people a resource. Mm-hmm. Look at World War II. Look at how many Soviet people That's died. Right. Yeah. Like their people are just a, another resource, just like oil or mm-hmm. whatever food. I don't know. Um, and so they used their resources to fix problems. And so mm-hmm. they basically used up these people to fix this yeah. problem. And when you use a person up, you kill them, mm-hmm. um, which is a horrible thing. And in the and United, that, United States, we're not willing to do that. Right. We don't do that. And that's, that's evident in so many parts of the, of the, of the miniseries. Again, I almost call it a documentary, <laughs> but like just, it's so just, it, I guess the audacity of like a government, a governing entity, just like, being so reckless with with their people is right. just is so like the inhumanity of that is just so staggering and, yeah. and like when when they're at, when they were getting the three people to to go in knowing that like oh they're gonna die um, which apparently they didn't uh, which I thought was interesting they didn't immediately die immediately, they, yeah they didn't I think he said die. two of them are still alive. Wow. If yeah. I remember correctly. Don't quote me on that, but that I think he said that. sounds right. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, just like that and just yeah, all of that is just, is, it's insane to me. It's, yeah. it's mind-boggling. I think he said that if, in, in the podcast, Craig Mazin said that if this had happened in the United States, 
basically nobody would live in the United States anymore because oh, we would yeah. just be like, well, if we send anyone in there, they're going to die. So mm-hmm. everybody has to leave. And eventually it would, you know, poison the groundwater and it would right. get all the way to the Mississippi River or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And it would literally just poison the entire continental United States and probably parts of Canada and Mexico. Mm-hmm. And we'd all have to go live in Bolivia or something, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I was just like, that's incredible because yeah. when you think about it, a thousand square miles in Eastern Europe is, is kind of a good job. <laughs> right. Kind of did a good job, you know, like yeah. it, it could have been so much worse than that. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of that part where the, it was the, conc- it was the, um, climax of episode two where mm. the three guys go down into the, yeah. to open up the sluice valves. Mm. Um, that was like absolutely terrifying. Oh, totally. That would like, oh, I, yeah. it was amazing how many different elements of, genre were kind of touched in this series mm-hmm. there's you know obviously just absolute uh uh drama and mm-hmm. and uh tragedy obviously that's that's the obvious one but that was like damn near straight up a horror movie oh absolutely or, or like suspense yeah and just it cutting out with just pitch black right to end the episode was just so just gripping and yeah. horrifying and it's it, it especially hit home for me because i have to sometimes i, I thought ha- about that i have to work in industrial settings right so i've never been to a nuclear power plant but you know Knock pl- on wood. plumbing is plumbing <laughs> and and you know and uh, commercial level plumbing is is pretty similar throughout a lot of different buildings mm. and and like i've i've seen creepy scary industrial settings like that yeah. and it's even when they're just normally functioning and the lights are on mm. it's kind of a little bit unnerving to be in yeah. those areas sometimes because if you make a wrong step you could fall and die right. or you know stuff like that and not that my job is anywhere near as dangerous as working at a nuclear power plant right. or anything i'm not trying to say that but i've i've had those notions before sure and so it ex- it, it hit me extra hard yeah that day i've been in like you know utility tunnels and stuff mm-hmm. like that it's and it's, it's freaky when things are normal. I can imagine. I, yeah. I, I couldn't do that. I've told you before, I couldn't do that job. Yeah. Um, also, like, we referenced, we referenced that in, uh, our Castle Rock reviews on Tower Junkies. But, mm-hmm. uh, and also a lot of times you, like, like the miners in Chernobyl, like, you do that completely naked. <laughs> That's uh, how my father did his job, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, just, oh. So so great. So anything yeah. else, really? Um, man, I feel like I could talk about this for an hour. Again. I, I I really want to watch it again. And yeah. and to, um, you mentioned voices from Chernobyl. Um, I really just consume audiobooks at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not on Audible. Really? Yeah. And they have a huh. they have a paperback that's coming out next month, like a new paperback. Oh, edition. really? Okay. Yeah, I thought about pre-ordering it, but I'm going to kind of wait and see if uh, Audible gets it. Interesting. Um, but I did, just on a whim, bought Midnight in Chernobyl on hmm. Audible. So, What's that one? Um... The definitive, dramatic, untold story of the Chernobyl nuclear power plant disaster based on original reporting and new archival research. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I wonder, I don't know when it came out or when it was published, but uh, we'll see. Okay. Um, yeah, so cool. we both have our supplemental reading. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I just reiterate how how phenomenal I think this mm-hmm. was. Like, uh, I think I don't think there uh, was a moment of wasted time. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was too short. 
I don't think they right. didn't give us enough information in places. Um, my only minor, I don't even know if this is a qualm or a nitpick, but like, I think it would have been interesting for them to show like the final, um, like there's a structure that's been built the around. Sarcophagus? Yeah. The sarcophagus yeah. that they built. Um, because that's kind of, you know, definitive, a definitive mm. thing. Um, that would have been interesting to see, but I guess, I think Craig Mason said in the podcast that like it it took like a decade to build it, yeah. and he's like it wouldn't really have been interesting, right? Like it wouldn't have been an interesting scene. Mm-hmm. Like there's no in context of the story, right? That, right. The way that he was telling it, yeah. Right. So yeah, I, I think I think it was better left on the cutting room floor mm. or, or never shot did in the we, first place. Did we get a shot of that like in the closing like credits where it's telling everything? Uh, yeah, there's a picture okay. of it, and, yeah. and I think that was sufficient. Yeah, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I'm I, I I have so many questions about they covered so much between the podcast and the show, right? Like you said, so much detail, mm-hmm. which was again, I don't I don't think there was anything that was left out that was mm-hmm. critical, but there are still like there's so there's so many. It's such a complex event, and yeah. and this, like I said, the science is just complex. Um, I think in the podcast, it was in one of the podcast episodes, Craig Mason mentioned that this was only one of four reactors in that yeah. location. And he said that, so reactor four blew, he said that reactors one through three continued to run for years. Yeah. And like react, the last one was shut down in like the year 2000. Mm-hmm. My question is, who the hell was running those things? Right. Oh, like, yeah. Did they have people who went into the exclusion zone every single day? to run these fucking like uh, did they automate right. them how did how did that work and like i'm just so curious mm-hmm. i want to ask somebody like yeah. or research it somehow how that's how they did that yeah because that's oh, i'd yeah. be like who do you who the hell do you get to do that job mm-hmm. i mean <laughs> i was gonna this doesn't even make sense or this doesn't even track but like i i you might say you're uh marie curie yes <laughs> jesus um, <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. I mean, I agree. It was a, it's a fun show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, very. Just, I, I feel like I'm just repeating myself and everything. And I just uh, between the podcast and 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 the show and everything, there's really, I'm kind of dancing around because I don't have much input to it either. Okay. But yeah, just uh, really incredible, and I can't wait for Hulu to come out with their Three Mile Island. Uh, miniseries yeah um good luck with that right they're not really i, I know just, yeah i know um that would be interesting though yeah i, I don't um, really know yeah. much about that event yeah. either oh yeah yeah uh what was the one that in in japan fukushima fukushima fukan yeah Fuku- fukushima is i almost right? said fukunaga which is the uh, the director director and writer <laughs> yeah uh, I think it's Fuk- Fukushima, is it? That sounds right. That's right. That obviously is not the same right. level of accident as Chernobyl, but mm-hmm. I think... I, I don't know. Again, I still don't really understand how a nuclear reactor works. Yeah. I'm not sure what the extent of that issue is. Yeah. Um, But I know that there's... It was Fukushima. Fukushima. Yeah. I know there's an unfortunate amount of radi- radiation that has leaked into the surrounding areas of fukushima and leaked into the ocean and stuff like that yeah but i don't know to what extent and i really researched it and and stuff like that but uh yeah do you think well, are you going to research other stuff like that like maybe there was a gosh i wish i could remember what it's called but there was a really good documentary that came out 
I think from like three to five years ago that was on Netflix and it was about nuclear energy and how, you know, we're all, there's this rush towards green energy right now and people aren't talking about nuclear mm-hmm. and it's because it's stigmatized because of three yeah. mile and Chernobyl. And <clears throat> it, it basically made the case that it's probably one of the best options for green energy because, mm-hmm. um, all, all like most of the nuclear power plants were built in the like seventies and eighties and obviously after Chernobyl and stuff, like oh, yeah. they didn't build anymore because everybody was scared shitless. And so like the building, uh, the building codes and like the, um, uh, all the technology is all 30, 40 years old. And so if there was R and D going into nuclear power for the last 30 plus years, it would be at a ridiculously safe level. Mm-hmm. And like there's it, it, like people, they were basically making the case for nuclear energy. Um, and like all these qualms that people have about it really aren't anywhere near as bad as they think. Um, exposure to radiation is a pretty, still a, a somewhat mysterious thing. Mm-hmm. Like they don't know, they're still not really sure what an acceptable level of radiation is. Right. Um, part of it is that everyone's different, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, they explored that in the documentary and they said, you know, like one of the, one of the issues that people have is, uh, the waste that it, that it produces. Okay. Um, and apparently there's like, uh, there's like 70 nuclear power plants in the United States or something like that. That could be mm-hmm. way off. There could be 170, right. but they all send their waste to one location and it's all in like one building. Like it's huh. not like even so if if we had like ten thousand nuclear reactors, mm-hmm. it really wouldn't be that much waste. Like it's it's really not as big of a problem as people think it is. Right. Like it could all be contained very easily, and it could be contained very safely, and it wouldn't be it, it, like it's like ten thousand nuclear reactors could have the same footprint as one landfill for a city the size of Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Which is like nothing when you think about you know the waste right. the waste we produce from garbage and all that stuff. So, anyways, Jeez. I wish I could remember the name of that documentary, but it's it's really fascinating and yeah. it's it, comparing these two mm-hmm. those that the information I got from that to what I saw in this series. It's like right. uh, pump the brakes, you know. It's it's <laughs> it's such a it's so it's so much more emotional. Like there's so much more to Chernobyl than the science of it. Oh, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And it's 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 a it's a human story, mm-hmm. even though there's so much science and physics involved yeah at the end of the day it's mostly a human story totally um was that uh was it a nova documentary it could have been the nuclear I, I, option i think that could be it okay yeah. i just i looked it up it's like a 55 minute documentary on netflix Check that it might be it but it was it was really fascinating nice that documentary so um yeah well uh anything else or should we i think we can wrap it up yeah okay. like i said we could talk about it for so much and yeah we mostly just be regurgitating and heaping praise upon all the different, right. different parts of this uh the podcasting and the show mm-hmm. um, um yeah and again just to reiterate i really we really hope that they do more like podcasts for the shows absolutely on like hbo and other streaming platforms especially depictions of historical events exactly you know oh yeah yeah um, all right. Well, we're going to kind of wind down with the potpourri section, uh, which is the section of the podcast where we kind of talk about whatever we want, as long as it smells good, uh, movie or TV shows we've watched, uh, news that have caught our eye, um, pretty much anything that's on our mind. So, Tiny, I have two things. I have two things. Ooh, oh, yeah. hey, <laughs> whoa. 
Okay. Um, let's see. I'll start because I'll, I'll start briefly. Oh, I'll start with the most recent one. Um, so today after work, I realized like, oh, I haven't seen a movie after work in a long time. So, and I've just, the last couple of weeks of work have been kind of rough. So, um, I figured, you know, it'd be nice to kind of decompress. So <laughs> like probably the only, the only movie that really timed out enough to where like I'd, I would be able to go see it after work without waiting a long time between like between work and the the movie while also coming home and having enough time to uh record with you um i watched dark phoenix nice okay <laughs> i'm curious what yeah. yeah um okay so it's not it's not a, it's not as people have been kind of dumping on it it's it's okay uh dark phoenix is Presumably, like, one of the last X-Men movies we'll get because now Disney owns everything and then apparently they're going to wait a little bit before they kind of introduce them to their arsenal. Okay. Um, which I'm fine with. But um, technically, we also have the New Mutants coming out eventually if it ever comes out. So, which I'm very, very excited about because that's one's, that one's directed by Josh Boone. I think it has Maisie Williams and a bunch of talented young actors. Right. Um, and it's supposed to have like a kind of horror kind of feel to it but dark phoenix is the last it's the last episode the last movie of the first class cast uh michael fassbender jennifer lawrence all them so (laughs) having said that it is rehashing the dark phoenix saga storyline and everything that they tried to do in uh x-men the last stand Mm -hmm. which i guess it's not technically like their fault that that failed because they just there was problems behind the scenes on that one but uh, now they didn't have that, and it still just didn't do anything for me. <laughs> Dang. Um, yeah, it was, it was okay. Like, you get the kind of, the emotional core of it with, um, Jean Grey not being able to control her powers or anything. Like, that was compelling enough, but it does, that takes up like two thirds of the, of the movie itself. And I feel like what they did with the other third, should have been more even with with that to be more compelling and, and kind of come home like like to bring it home. Um I don't know if that makes sense because I'm trying to be vague, but basically right. it just there was a disproportionate um disproportion in terms of story on the screen for Dark Phoenix. Um performances are all okay. I they're fine. Michael Fessbender's great, James McAvoy, Jennifer Lawrence, they're all great, but it just feels like it feels like either the script or the performers just felt lifeless in this movie. Hmm. And it just felt just kind of like it didn't have like any propulsion to it. Like the action scenes were cool, but it was also like, okay, that's, it's just standard operating procedure. Um, there was some pretty cool inventive stuff they did. Like there's something that Nightcrawler does that was really cool. Hmm. Um, but other than that, it was just okay. Like I'm, kind of struggling to talk about it because i and i just saw it like three or four hours ago <laughs> um it just yeah it wasn't eh. do you have how, any interest in seeing it i do yeah okay. I, I mean like how was the like some of the action looks pretty cool in the trailer and like the visuals did that at least hold up pretty well or? it did but again it was like they have certain set pieces throughout that's like okay i'll, I'll say this the beginning part like in the beginning um there's a space mission that they have mm-hmm. to do which uh, granted that's that's part of my my kind of it 
it's on my Venn diagram. <laughs> like it crosses over into my Venn diagram. It's in of your interest. wheelhouse. It, in my wheelhouse, yes. So I was kind of predisposed to to enjoy that, and visually it looked great. Like the the way that the X Men are utilized in that scene in that sequence are is very uh, cool and inventive, and it just it has that kind of hero kind of kind of vibe to it that like they're okay. superheroes. Also that they're a team as well. And it's just it they work together there. But other than that, like there's um yeah there's a few like set pieces spread throughout it, but it was just. It was just kind of like, okay, fine. Okay. Um, yeah. It's a bit of a shame. It's, it's sort of what I was expecting as mm-hmm. well. Like, I didn't think, I didn't think there was much left. I feel like, um, Days of Future Past was like, the height. Pretty much a perfect X-Men movie. Totally. I mean, not to say it was a perfect movie, but like a perfect yeah. X-Men movie. And that, that felt like a conclusive movie. Mm-hmm. And then they just kept it going. Yeah. Um, That's kind of how I felt too. And also, like, it's kind of like, uh, X-Men Apocalypse and now Dark Phoenix are kind of making me kind of curious about revisiting Days of Future Past because okay. I remember like, man, maybe this was just me making excuses for it, but like the way that Logan is um like like there's some there's some shaky stuff at the end, like in the last act of Days of Future Past that like I my memory can't reconcile reconcile it with the movie because it feels like kind of just like it doesn't track well. Okay. So I'm kind of curious how I feel revisiting that, but, but dark Phoenix was, was just, oh, it was okay. Better or worse than apocalypse. Um, better, better okay. than apocalypse. Um, and I only say that because I don't, I don't even remember apocalypse. Really? That well. Um, that was just such an inconsequential, inconsequential movie for me. Yeah. And, yeah, I've just, I've never had a desire to rewatch it. Um, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And maybe that's part of, like, maybe I brought in a bias to Dark Phoenix. Um, yeah. From that, because I, I was so soured on the franchise from that, but. Gotcha. Yeah. I don't know. But again, but, but then again, like, Logan was amazing. So. It was, yeah. I don't know. But anyway, huh. yeah, that's Dark Phoenix. Uh, it, eh. I'm curious what Disney and Marvel Studios will do down the road. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's your first potpourri? Uh, the wife and I over the weekend watched the miniseries, limited series, I don't know what it's called, uh, from the BBC called, uh, The Bodyguard, or just, oh, just Bodyguard, uh, starring With, uh, Richard, Richard Madden, Madden? from, nice. uh, Game of Thrones. Um, I had heard, I think it won a bunch of awards and it mm. was critically acclaimed and all that stuff and, um, it had been sitting on Netflix for a while and I just... I sh- we were looking for something new to watch. We had a really lazy Sunday. We didn't nice. didn't leave the house, didn't do anything. Um, and so I was like, I, I really, I've heard this is really good, and like I, th- I think we'll both like it. And she was like, All right, let's see what it's like. I showed her the trailer, and she was like, All right. Um, it turned out to be really good. Uh, it's it's a really great series. Uh, it's nice. it's kind of like a, um, Richard Madden plays like a, a London police officer, okay. and uh, he's thrown into this extraordinary situation right off the bat. Um, and it's it's all about like kind of this this terrorist threat against uh the citizens and persons of uh London if you will mm-hmm. um and really the british government um i'm being kind of vague and it's i just don't sure. want to spoil anything but uh it's it's really really well done and it's uh it doesn't pull punches which is what i really appreciated there's kind of some stuff aspects to the story that are kind of uh, politically charged or uh, mm-hmm. controversial, and uh, they don't they don't tiptoe around that. 
and and I appreciated that they were pretty blunt, pretty blunt about it. Mm. Um, and it, the show was just super intense. Um, I think the trailer depicts like the opening, the opening scene where he's on a train. Check out the trailer, and you'll see that part. That is okay. like one of the more intense. TV scenes I've ever seen. Like it's really, really nice. well done. Um, and there's just several, several. It's not an action show by any mm. means, um, but there are a handful or more scenes throughout. I think, it, gosh, was it eight episodes? I want to say. Uh, it looks like it was. Was it six? Uh, six. Six I, episodes. I just had it. Yeah. It was six episodes. Um, I think it was six. Yeah. There's like a hand, at least at least a handful of like action scenes, and they are super good. Like they reminded me of like kind of like, not not quite like Christopher Christopher Nolan level action, mm-hmm. but but in that same sort of wheelhouse, like just the the um practicality of the of the action scenes was really and really satisfying. I mean just super super intense first of all and then just the the realism of them. Mm-hmm. Uh just very realistic realistic scenes just really impressed the shit out of me. Um also um Richard Madden mm-hmm. was great. Like I think I mean he was he was really good as Rob Stark. Mm-hmm. Um but I think this was different cuz he's he's the lead and he's the main focus and it's he's in almost every scene. And so Whereas in Game of Thrones, we got, you know, he would only be in 10 minutes of an episode, you know. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it was really cool seeing him as a lead. He's, he's really good. Okay. I, I mean, definitely like, uh, definitely a leading guy. Um, and he's using his native accent. He's, mm-hmm. uh, he's from Scotland, so it's a very thick, really thick accent. Um, but it's, it's super intense and really suspenseful and, and, uh, but still it's not like just this simple, simple anti-terrorist story or whatever mm. um it's it's got a it's got a good deal of complexity to it i wasn't sure where it was going to go i mean it was it was unpredictable um it's super super good i highly rate it's only six episodes we watched it in a day nice uh, as one of those things where like we yeah, ever going to binge this whole damn thing mm. so um it yeah it's it's really good i highly recommend it very nice i'm gonna have to check that out um for sure. I, I just, yeah. Have you, um, let me check to see if it's actually airing right now, but have, oh, oh, that's what I was going to ask, um, regarding Bodyguard. Um, is it like a series or? It's a, it's a mini series. Okay. So it's like those series. six episodes and we're done. Yes. I think it's, okay. I think it was BBC. Okay. I think that's who it was. Nice. Um, there's a bit of a disconnect though, cause there are some like, there's like a bunch of, um, uh, like acronyms and British terms that mm-hmm. we weren't familiar with. Not that it like takes you out of it or that like you can't understand it, but like they just use some terminology that's sort of uh, a a bit of a a bit of a curveball, I guess. Okay. Or, yeah, I don't know. It's not that important. Okay. Yeah. Um, have you started Big Little Lies season two? No, not yet. Okay. I think we might. Wait till all the episodes come out yeah. and binge it. I I think because I still haven't watched the first season. I know you okay. loved it. Yeah. Um. I think what I might do. Don't hold me to this. Even though it's only fourteen episodes all told. Yeah. But when it's all done, we should do like an episode that's just talking about Big Little Lies. Cause totally. I'll, I'll watch it. That that'll force me to watch it. Nice. Um. Re- yeah. Absolutely remarkable acting. Nice. In Big Little Lies. And I just I love Meryl Streep's in season two. Like that's right. just nuts to me. Yeah. Has she ever done TV? Really? Um. I don't think so yeah, yeah not that i not not at least since the beginning of her career that i can right. think of yeah 
Um, which that kind of leads me into my next potpourri, my next and last forever. No, not really. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> so, um, I just mentioned like, yeah, I'll watch big little lies, uh, for the podcast and, and everything. It'll force me to watch it. Um, I have been burning the candle at both ends, uh, for a while. Like I took the day off June 5th from work so I could just sit at home and watch Black Mirror. Mm -hmm. Those three episodes that came out, probably in retrospect, probably not a good idea. (laughs) Um, just because like I ended up having to work extra throughout the week just because I didn't want to use, I didn't want to use eight hours of PTO for three episodes of Black Mirror. (laughs) Um, but. It's just like like I wanted to just set aside time to watch it because I've been like knee deep in the Twilight Zone, like doing anthology stuff and like the new Twilight Zone, and it's just been it's it's I it's been a lot like really, and I made the very wise decision <laughs> to uh, start pairing Twilight uh, original Twilight Zone episodes with. Uh, science fiction theater episodes uh from 1955 so like i'm i'm it's a lot and yeah also with school and everything it's it's tough to kind of it's it's weird because i'm finding myself getting into the mindset of watching things because of assignments like assignment Uh. watching as opposed to just recreational watching right so recently i've tried to counter that by I've, I, first of all, this is highly unhealthy, but I have a very long list of, I shit you not, like probably 40 shows. Jeez. Um, that are all just shows that have come, gone, still airing, like on my radar over the last like several years. And I just kind of want to keep that. <laughs> I got really bored and I put how many seasons are in each one. So Jesus. It, it's ridiculous. Um, but, I just kind of want to, I wanted to watch something just to watch something. Like, I didn't want the baggage of like saying like, okay, I'll mention this on the podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll like taking notes during it saying like, oh, that, that correlates to something from an earlier episode. I just really want to watch something and watch something (laughs) because my brain is turning into just uh, mush. (laughs) Um, so I have started. And just by saying that I've started these things is probably putting, um, casting a pall over it or cursing <laughs> me to never finish them. But I have begun watching Star Trek The Next Generation. Ooh. Um, which is fun. Which I'll start there. So, first of all, the show is fine. It's good. Mm-hmm. I'm not only like a few episodes into it, but. Like, this is the stepping stone. Like, this this was my first stepping stone toward this whole, like, watch something just to watch something without the baggage of a podcast to, to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, on one hand, I was thinking, like, man, Star Trek is so has so much, like, that's, we could do, like, a whole podcast about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, like, I had to stop myself from, like, wandering that way. And then my crutch for this is I looked for a podcast devoted to Star Trek The Next, Next Generation so I could listen to it <laughs> as I watch it. Like, that's my that's my crutch to wa- toward watching, like, something recreationally. Yeah. So I found Star Trek The Next Conversation with Matt Myra and um, an- another writer from The Goldbergs. Nice. Um, yeah, it's fun. It's entertaining. It's, you know, it's, it's fun. I, I like it. Cool. Um, but the other thing, <laughs> like, the next step of that, like, I haven't... 
not for a lack of trying, but I haven't found a podcast to correlate to this other show, but um, I started watching and am very much enjoying The X-Files. Awesome. So good. Like, first of all, I'm watching both of these on Amazon Prime. And Amazon Prime, it's amazing. Like, I, I love that clearly that they have, like, the HD widescreen um, uh, version of it. And it just it looks beautiful. Like, nice. it looks gorgeous. Nice. And I, I, think that, I think that Star Trek The Next Generation and The X-Files are, are a perfect, like, pairing for me to retrain myself to not overthink or do things too much or overdo nice. anything because they're like at least star trek is almost damn near an anthology series mm-hmm. as the original series was there's very little like connective tissue it's just like adventures in space right um and then the x-files is has their overarching things but like they also have monsters of the week and i'm just i'm in like the X-Files is so close to, like, it's very much influenced by other science fiction shows of, like, of its past. Namely, the Twilight Zone. So, like, I'm getting such a Twilight zone vibe off of it. Um, I've caught some references, or I've, I've, um, put into it references to, like, Stephen King okay. that maybe are intentional or maybe not. Well, one, they reference Carrie, like, directly. They said they made, made a reference to Carrie in, like, episode four or five. Um, but there's, like, another episode early on where, um, I think a recurring character in the grand scheme of things, uh, is a, is, is a mutated person who, uh, the episode's called Squeeze, who he comes out and, and hunts or feasts on like kills people and eats their livers yeah. every like 30 years. Yeah. Um, tombs. that's a great one. Yeah. And like the first t- time we see him, he's like in a, in a sh- uh, sewer drain staring at his next victim. I'm like, mm-hmm. a sewer drain every like 30 years or so. Like, yeah. are they doing a riff on it? <laughs> it's like, it's, it was really good. So I'm, so I'm enjoying that. Like this is, it's a cathartic experience for me to actually like, try to watch something just to watch something <laughs> awesome um because even with like rewatching lost with kirsten it's it's for the podcast like it's it's uh it's hard being me it's yeah hard being me. who's the what's the name of the uh showrunner head writer of breaking bad uh vince gilligan vince gilligan he was involved with some like middle seasons of x Files for, yeah. for a while so uh, i think he i want to say like around season four or five um i believe robert uh uh Longtime friend of the shows, uh, gave me, or like, uh, back on Patreon when I did, uh, when I did, uh, Patreon selected user review or, um, bonus reviews on anthology, he picked a Vince Gilligan scripted episode of The X Files. Nice. That's good. I think that's how he met, um, Brian Cranston. Um, oh, I don't know. I was thinking of, uh, the cop guy I haven't watched Breaking Bad in so long. I oh, even, Dean Norris. Dean Norris. I guess yeah. my because Dean Norris was in like three X Files episodes. I think that's awesome. I think I, I might be wrong, but mm. um, but yeah. To it tie was. it to tie it back to anthology, also just because I'm you know my I, I have such a huge head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Glenn Morgan uh, is a 
uh, worked heavily on the X-Files. He was an executive producer on X-Files throughout its run, I believe. Okay. Uh, he is also one of the executive producers and writers on the new Twilight Zone. Oh, cool. Uh, he wrote three episodes, or he wrote two episodes and co-wrote one. He wrote A Traveler, co-wrote Six Degrees of Freedom, and I'm blanking on the... Oh, I think he wrote... No. I don't know. He wrote something else. But anyway. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's why, like, a lot of people have pointed out, um, in the podcast verse that, uh, A Traveler in the, this new iteration of the Twilight Zone feels a lot like a, uh, an X-Files episode. Nice. Yeah. It does. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also, last thing on X-Files, and I'll probably report back on it in, in the coming weeks and everything. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's massive. I love that it's massive, because it's yeah. got, a, at this way, it's got nine seasons, Plus two movies, plus two seasons for the revival, so like eleven seasons, mm. nine of which I believe are all like twenty two, twenty four episodes. Yeah, um, yeah. So I've I've got my work cut out for me. Not my work because it's it's yeah. recreational. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So it's good. But uh, last thing about that is oh I lost it. I forgot what I was going to say. Um. Yeah. Wow. I completely spaced it. Hmm. Um. Man. The first movie is really good. Is it? Okay. Yeah. The second yes. one, that's not much. That's, that's what I've heard. Yeah. Um, I will say the end of episode, like, four of the X-Files, um, spoiler alert for the X-Files, but, well, not really spoiler alert, but um, Scully plays a tape from, like, like the episode ends with, with her playing a tape uh, from, like, sci- uh, a psychiatrist meeting with, with little kid Mulder. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, it's like, he's talking about how he, he, uh, he hears voices that saying that his sister's going to come back and she's going to be okay. And he hears this voice and he hears this voice. And then just like, I'm getting chills just about to say this. Uh, but like it, the episode ends with, uh, with the psychiatrist being like, do you believe the voice? And then, uh, Mulder's just like, I want to believe. And I'm like, mm. oh my God, that's like the tagline of the show. It's, yeah. Oh my God. I'm, so I'm really, really, really liking that the five or six episodes I've watched. Nice. But yeah, it's good stuff. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I, my, I would love to rewatch it all someday. Yeah. Well, I think I, like, I watched it as a kid, like, mm-hmm. as it was airing. Um, do you want to start a podcast? No. Okay. I do not. That's fine. That's fine. I think I only got to, like, season four or five before oh, I stopped really? watching it. And so, like, after that, I never watched any of that stuff. Interesting. So, um, I, I tweeted about this. Um, but the, the, obviously, the opening theme music for people our age is terrifying. Yeah. But what was funny is that, like, I, I isolated, like, what was terrifying about it to me. Like, there's a shot where it's, like, um, like an apparition is walking down stairs mm-hmm. uh, during it. And like that as a kid always freaked me out because I was terrified of ghosts. Yeah. Um, but what's funny is that like it has just a bunch of creepy like imagery and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then at one point during it, it just says the words paranormal activity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like I, I tweeted this, but I kind of feel like it's like my, uh, I, I kind of, it, it, I get the sense that it's like, Okay, well, let's just, yeah, the opening theme music will be really creepy. That This song is really creepy. Um, let's just put a bunch of, like, really creepy supernatural, like, imagery in there. Um, and it's like, oh, uh, we've got, like, four seconds that, like, like, we've, we've tapped out all of our, all of our imagery stuff, <laughs> all of our images. We need, we need, like, four seconds to cover. And then, uh, the, like, head person being like, ah, just, I don't know, put some paranormal activity on there. <laughs> nice. Um, and then the guy just being like, 
do I type it on the okay <laughs> fine <laughs> um but yeah really really digging really digging it nice. and uh yeah so cool. um want to round us out yeah this will be really brief too okay. um so uh the wife and I were looking for like a new show to start and everything mm-hmm. and I've uh continued to hear great things about Fargo Oh, nice. Yeah, and so uh, Paige had never seen the movie before. Okay. And so uh, I, she was interested in the show, and I, she was like, well, do I need to see the movie first? And I was like, I don't think so, but I th- I think you should, because it's a really good movie. It's like yeah. one of the best movies in the 90s, easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, we should we should watch it. And she was like, okay, I'll watch it. And so we watched the movie, which <sighs> fucking great. It just holds, yeah. holds up every time. Oh, yeah. Um, makes me laugh every time. Mm-hmm. Um. But, uh, and so then we, she loved it and I, which I was really pleased cause I wasn't sure cause it's a dark comedy and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's almost like, it's hard to tell, even if you know someone really well, it's hard to tell if, if, if they're going to like the movie or not. Sure. Cause it's such a one of a kind movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started, we watched the first two episodes of the show and I am all in. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. Um, oh, yeah. I was curious how they were going to go about it, how they were going to make it their own, which they totally do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was curious, I was like, so is the whole first season going to be kind of like a rehash of the movie? Like, I understand, like, there's got to be some elements of the movie in there. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. curious how they're going to do it. And I, I love the decision they made, you know, yeah. I'm only two episodes in and, um, just the way they kind of dealt with the story of, from the movie, I think was really, really good. Like I said, they they really made it their own yeah. while still paying great homage to the, to the, to the film. So, um, it, it, it feels like a Coen brothers TV show. Totally. I mean, it's, Oh yeah, absolutely. And so. the, uh, uh, I, I love how it kind of mixes some things not to get, well, I, there's no real spoilers here cause you've watched the first two episodes, but like, like it is, it's Fargo, but mm-hmm. they put their own unique spin on it. It's a very loose, like, it's not like it's not Fargo. It's just it's Fargo right. um, as a concept. But like they introduce like Billy Bob Thornton as like this. He's in it, right? That's yeah. Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's been a while since I watched it. I, yeah, uh, but he's like this Anton Chigurh kind of character. From yeah, No Country for Old Men, and it's like it's just it's so cool. Um, he's no, kind of he's also kind of a fun amalgam of like. Steve Buscemi and Peter Stormare's character from the oh, movie. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah, because he's very stoic, mm-hmm. but he also kind of talks a lot, which mm-hmm. Steve Buscemi wouldn't shut the fuck up in the movie, right. which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, so he's kind of a fun amalgam of those two characters, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, so I'm cool. really looking forward to watching more of it. Paige, nice. Paige loves it, too. Very so. good. I had no idea how great the cast was. Oh, my. It's insane. I knew Billy Bob Thornton was in it, but mm-hmm. I didn't know about, like, Martin Freeman mm-hmm. and... Um, uh, Adam Goldberg, uh, jeez, mm. there's just, uh, Alison Tolman. Yes. Yes. Just a great cast. Mm-hmm. So, yep. Cool. Well, um, I think that about does it. Yep. Wouldn't you say? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. Don't you know? <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you have any comments or anything, feedback or anything for us, uh, you know, let us know. Um, <laughs> tweet me at obsessive viewer, uh, send us emails, matt at obsessive viewer.com, tiny at obsessive viewer.com. Um, also, 
oh, Facebook. <laughs> Facebook.com slash <laughs> viewer. All this stuff is going to be in the pre-recorded outro. But I do want to mention that if you wouldn't mind, uh, you know, leaving us a rating and review, that'd be great. But also check out our other shows. Um, Tower Junkies, we just did a, a very fun, uh, Stephen King news roundup thing. We've got some fun stuff in the pipeline for Tower Junkies. Mm-hmm. And then also, as I've said before, um, just, all of my anthology stuff. Uh, Twilight, original Twilight Zone, science fiction theater, Jordan McFly's favorite TV show, <laughs> and uh, Black Mirror, um, and the new Twilight Zone and everything. All that, anthologypod.com. I'm really proud of the content that I've been pumping out there. Um, so check that out. And yeah, what are, did we decide what we're going to do next week? Uh, I pitched something. Oh, the Game yeah. of Thrones documentary and origin story. Right. Um, yeah, so maybe that. We'll see. Cool. Um, yeah. All right, well, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you, and enjoy. Poor pizza. She doesn't know how to help. She's not now. <laughs> uh, I I made I made this joke to Molly and Yuri, but I was like, uh, I just for some stupid reason when she when pizza looks at it, I just picture her being like, Yeah, well now I can fix her, <laughs> but and I don't know what the rest of that is. Just, <laughs> just her saying like, now I can fix her, but <laughs> yeah. I'm going to need, like, three toys. <laughs> um, fix her, but it's going to cost you. Yeah. What's your uh, catnip situation at the moment? <laughs> the Obsessive Viewer podcast is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to ObsessiveViewer.com slash archive. You can also like our Facebook page and join the OV Facebook group at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer and at obsessive tiny and follow our recurring co-hosts at I am Mike White. That's me at R.A. Fekis and at burger underscore lurker. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do and all it costs is a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our Public store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at tpublic.com, T-E-E, public.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out shocktoberinirvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, and other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and on Twitter at 
OV Anthology Pod. You can also find Tower Junkies, a podcast where Matt and Tiny share their love of all things Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series, at TowerJunkiesPod.com and at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast, which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at TheSecularPerspective.com. The theme music for The Obsessive Viewer comes courtesy of the band Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at facebook.com slash asgoodasitgetsband. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Kitty!